Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Rockets in forecourt. Eric Gordon inbounds. Got Joel Embiid right in front of him. James in the backcourt. Guarded by Jared Bayless. Ryan's got it. Giving it to James with three seconds. With two baseline left. Gordon for the win. It is up. And it is good. And it is good. And the Rockets win it. E.G. Nothing but Nylon. <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> I love I love radio calls of buzzer beaters and game winners in the NBA. These announcers, take that, soccer announcers. How you like me now? <laughs> Eric Gordon with the game-winning shot for the Houston Rockets in a great Wednesday night game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Seku Smith, Kevin Cottrell here on the Hang Time Podcast this week. Kev, I'm starting to believe that this Rockets team might have something yeah. in the tank, you know, come playoff time for everybody else in the Western Conference. I it's something about those role players and everybody else. They they, they got something they're working with. Yeah, I, I initially wasn't on board. I was like, really? oh, they didn't get Carmelo, and they kind of needed an extra piece. But Luke Bamute, I don't even notice him in, jer- in the yeah, jersey. He's yeah. in great shape. He's knocking down shots. You know, Reese has been playing very well. I mean, like your role, like you said, the role players are playing their role to yeah. a team. P.J. Tucker. I mean, and yeah. it's, sometimes you make the big splash. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, we'll see how that works out chemistry-wise. Something about role, adding quality role players yeah. allows you to fold them into your culture and, and squeeze them into whatever your playing rotation is without interruption to your stars. Like James yeah. Harden is doing James Harden without any, you know, without any hiccups. No CP3 right now. Yeah, you know, with him being out, and and Eric Gordon and everybody else is playing lights out. So. And, and props to Eric Gordon. I mean, yeah. Eric Gordon went from being injured to winning six men of the year, probably the most forgotten six men yeah. of the year yeah. ever. And he he seemed like he's coming back with a lot more bounce. You know, he's, he's dunking on people. He like got he more did confidence. when he was in high school. I, was, exactly. I lived in Indy when he was in high school. He was a monster. Oh you know, yeah, and that's what you're starting to see. You're starting yeah. to see that guy back. Like he got his confidence, his swagger. This team is dangerous. Yes. And, uh, and another team they're going to run into potentially, hopefully, fingers crossed for all of us in the Western Conference playoffs, Steph Curry with the clutch three mm-hmm. to, f- to finish the Raptors. He and KD went on a little blur at the end there. Klay Thompson with a great defensive play. Oh, yeah. That Warriors team. I know everybody freaks out when they lose games early in the season. Relax. Yeah, relax. R E L A. Relax. Relax. Once their defense is back, (laughs) being on a string, they won't have anything to worry about. No, no. Uh, LeVar Ball, shout out to the big baller brand. A lot of smack talk between, you know, the Wizards and the Lakers in anticipation of a big point guard showdown. Wizards going on the road, taking on the Lakers at Staples Center. Mm -hmm. Young boys held up. They held up. Oh, yeah. LeVar LeVar said his son doesn't lose twice in a week, huh? That's what he said. (laughs) And not only that, Brandon Ingram grew up last night. You know, I, I'm not used to seeing Brandon Ingram in big moments on the court. He made some big shots last night. He's a big reason why they pulled this win out. Yeah, I, I liked what I saw from the young Lakers. It's going to be a roller coaster season for them 
then that's fine. But uh, I like the fight that they're showing. Mm-hmm. They stood up for their young point guard. You know, they said they had his back before the game, then went out and proved it. They so did. kudos to them. And I'm I'm not antagonizing LeVar Ball. Let's, let's be the last time we talk about LeVar by name on the <laughs> Hangtime Podcast. Yeah, I don't, we don't need no troubles. We don't need no problems. <laughs> Ball is life out there. We don't need those issues. Let's talk a little bit more about the Wizards, Lakers, and all that went on with our guests this week. Been looking forward to having her on the show here for quite some time. Let's get in touch with our friend Candace Buckner, the Washington Post. En route between L.A. and Oakland, Wizards got a huge weekend coming up, and we see if we, she can't give us a little bit of insight on what's going on with these Wizards. Candace, let me just go ahead and get this out the way right now. <clears throat> what happened last night? Was it the LeVar ball curse that caught the Lakers in, in Wizards game at Staples Center? And uh, put the Wizards in the blender? I mean, what what went on last night? You know, I just think L.A. plays a part in all of this. Just the, the, the people who are a courtside, you have Floyd Mayweather. And whoever young boy that was with him, he had the flossiest <laughs> chain I've ever seen in my life. You have the whole ball family sitting directly across or <laughs> directly uh, near the bench. And I just think the, the celebrities, just the L.A. itself, you, you you go to L.A. when you're an East Coast team and you enjoy L.A. And I don't think they took the Lakers seriously. Mm. They were playing wiffle ball during a, during a practice when they – I guess they could have been practicing their free throws. <laughs> and and, and you know, I, just, I just think that they, they took – honestly, I just think they took the Lakers lightly. And maybe LeVar Ball is a genius knowing that his boy doesn't lose twice <laughs> in a week. Maybe we should start paying attention to the guy. <laughs> you're right. What, what were your – I saw Lonzo Ball in Summer League, and then I was out at a Lakers practice during preseason. I love the IQ, the basketball IQ and the attitude, how unflappable he is. I'm not as sold on him being an elite-level athlete in the NBA. What was your impression of him seeing him, you know, live in, in a regular season game? He, he's not making those, those NBA shots that you would expect a player to make. And right, right now, he's 19 years old, first couple games. So, obviously, this is going to change. When you look at John Wall in his first year, yeah. he wasn't much of a three-point shooter. But there was just a couple shots where the Lakers caught the, the, the Wizards out of defensive rotation, and Lonzo was open for, like, a three. So, you know, you, you get that catch and shoot, drain it. That's what an NBA player is supposed to do. His shot never went in. And it's just his, um, his mechanics, of course, people are saying that's not going to change. Why change it? Because it's always worked for him. I think he will have to change it. Obviously, uh, it's worked for other folks like John Wall. He changed his shot, and now he's a little bit more uh, – he, he, he is better as a, as a three-point shooter, but that, that's going to take time. So, as of right now, I just I wasn't impressed with, with him offensively. But I did like his awareness. At times, he he stripped. I believe he stripped John mm-hmm. on a, on a play, and he had another defensive play that I was like, okay, he's he's aware. As you as you go back to your your basketball IQ, as it goes to just smart, instinct instinctive plays that if you're a baller, you you make. Yeah. But his shot definitely needs to improve. What we saw last night, you know, we we saw a lot of the brouhaha with Wall and Bill, you know, Bill and and getting caught up into the ball comments and all of that. And we saw the same thing kind of in the Celtics series, where a lot of times there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of mouthy things, just not just the game. And now they're headed, you know, to Oakland. And, you know, we before they they, they want to prove that they're the best backcourt. What's the, What have you noticed maybe about the Wizards that this isn't – they're going to get – they won't get caught up in that, I guess, tomorrow night, and that they have matured and, and they'll be able to move past what happened last night? Well, last 
last season, whenever they, they took like a bad loss and a loss they shouldn't have, again, they shouldn't have lost, they've always responded. Now, they never quite played the defending champions that next game after a bad loss, but I, I have no doubt that they'll respond with a better defensive focus. The thing that, that's bothering them, like bad communication or thinking that your guy is going to do, like your teammate's going to do something and he's doing the exact opposite thing, those sort of things, that's, that's a little concerning, but I think that can be corrected because they have played together. This, yeah. this core has played together for a while now, and they should know each other just a little bit better than what they're showing in these first couple of games. So as far as uh, responding, I think they will, but golly, it's, it's so difficult to bounce back from a bad loss when you're going into Oracle to face the yeah. champs. Yeah. Candace Buckner, the Washington Post, joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Candace, you've covered some interesting teams. The, the Wizards as a group, what what kind of psyche do they have collectively? What kind of mood is this team in? Is it, it, do you watch John and engage them based on how he is? Do you look at maybe somebody that we're not thinking of as kind of the bellwether for this team? Or how do you, how do you how do you measure these guys? Yeah, that's that's a very good question. As far as like who's like the the bellwether. I will say, I will say it, it, it really does start with John and Brad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that would have uh, that would have led me the wrong way yesterday because Brad was confident. He wasn't. He, he was making his plays and not really talking too much. I know he he he, he stuffed Lonzo and like said something to him, and I was like thinking, great. There's there's like my lead scene of the story. Uh, Brad, you know, kind of showing some emotion for the first time in this game mm-hmm. after he's been so in control. And so uh, just a very veteran, professional way in this very hype game. So I was like, yeah, that's great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to follow that emotion. And I'm sure the, the Wizards, you know, they, they, were, they, were, they were in a tizzy after that shot. So I would think that they followed John and Brad, but sometimes when games like this happen, I don't know. Just John, John had a, a bad shooting night. Uh, Brad... Um, Brad sometimes uh, made some miscues, especially those free throws uh, in the fourth quarter when he, he kind of could have iced the game, but he missed uh, the second free throw. So I look at those guys as the emotional leaders, uh, but I, I'm just I'm just curious that I, I, that that game that game does make me uh, kind of pause and say like, well, I thought they were going one way because the leaders were acting one way, but it didn't turn out that way. Hmm. Now, you know, a lot of people had, at uh, the beginning of the year, they had the, the Celtics and the Cavs ready to meet each other in the conference finals. And the moment Hayward goes down, that other side kind of opens up. And the Wizards hadn't made much of an addition uh, in the offseason. We still haven't seen Morris back in the lineup. But is this team primed to make that run this year? Can they finally get over that second-round hump? Should be. The the thing about it is I thought they were doing fine offensively without Morris, and that, that was a shock to me. Even with uh, Jason Smith for the first seven minutes, of, that, uh, of the season opener before he injured himself, and then they, they filled in just – they never lost track offensively by putting Otto at the four and Kelly at the three. So I was thinking once Morris comes back, of course you'll have to shake off some rust. I mean, they're just going to keep excelling on that side of the floor, which obviously that they're, they're a better offensive team than our defensive team. So I do think that once Morris kind of gets his sea legs, they, they, will, they will be contending for that top – Two, three slot in the East, and actually, I I do think they will be in the Eastern Conference Finals. I, as you said, Kevin, once uh, Hayward went down, a terrible injury, 
But, you know, once, you, once the dust kind of clears, you start thinking, how does this affect the, the landscape of the East? It's totally uh, shifted, in my opinion. The Wizards, this, is, this should be their window. Their, their guys are all paid. They're all locked in for uh, a very long time, and they're still all very young. This is the perfect elixir to start what should be uh, the best era of uh, Wizards basketball. Yeah, that's a great point. Candace, you, you watch this team day in and day out. What what's questions do you still have that are unanswered about this group? What is it that's nagging at you in terms of their makeup and where they are and, and what they could become as a group? I'm, I'm still curious if this new uh, – if the bench – can actually contribute more so than they did last year. And, and there are new guys, and so the bench does look a, look very different, even even with Yamahimi playing, who didn't play a lot last year. The second unit should be a little bit more veteran, but these guys, they're not playing that much. They, I think they average the, the, the fewest points. I'm sorry, the fewest minutes and the fewest points in the league. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if that's just a chicken and egg thing that Scott Brooks just doesn't just doesn't want to trust the game so much to his second unit, mm-hmm. or when the second unit's on the floor, he just has to hurry up and uh, send back in the starters. Yeah. So I'm curious if they can get some bench contribution, some consistent bench contribution, because without depth, and as you saw last, last year in the Eastern Conference semifinals night, Game 7, without depth, they go nowhere. I do believe, however, that Game 7 was in Washington, um, the Wizards would have won and they would have been to the Eastern Conference Finals. But take away, uh, you know, what it could have, should have. They should have had somebody outside the top five that they can lean on, and they didn't. They got a very interesting stretch coming at Candace. You know, you look at that schedule, um, you know, Cleveland looming out there next week, Toronto, um, you know, a couple days later. I I like that we get to vet some of these teams early in the season against each other. Did did John and Brad in particular, did, did they look at the start of this season as kind of a litmus for them, and you know, in terms of being able to, to gauge themselves against the Warriors, against the Cavaliers, against Toronto, another team in the East that could, could very well be there when you're talking about who's going to, you know, make their way to the conference finals. Are they they're, – they're, they're young, but they're vets in this league long enough to me now where they start doing that kind of stuff have they started looking at the league and the season in the in the puzzle that is every nba year in that kind of perspective i think so um besides just you know and and, and man this was this is a really good early season um schedule for them Mm -hmm. with the west coast trip warriors you come back home and boom you got the cavaliers i i I know that john gets up for just the big matchups just period just as a competitor that he is and, and knowing that eyes are going to be on that matchup. But I also think that last year they had to wait until the turn of the calendar to, you know, see if they can test themselves against uh, some of the best teams. Now, you know, it's, it's right here. And even without Marquise Morris, maybe he'll come back by the third when they play the cast. Maybe not. But, uh, you know, even without him, they still have the, the DNA of their team is still there. So how they perform Friday night in San Francisco, how they perform next week against Cavaliers, they, there, there won't be any excuses. And, and they, they haven't used Marquise Morris's injury as, uh, you know, well, we didn't have this guy, blah, 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 we can't do this. No, they are who they are right now. And how they perform in these games will show a lot, even though it's only uh, October and November. Right. 
Now this this prior to the season starting, Kobe Bryant went on this mama <laughs> mama mentality <laughs> challenge on on Twitter, and and he challenged John Wall to be first team all defense, and he responded to say no more. But so far, have you seen a concerted effort for John to start the game on defense and, and be that guy to, to kick things off consistently? Like you know, I don't know what, what does what does John have to show? Does he have to like pick up a guy ninety four feet? I'm not sure about that, but the way that their team defense is constructed, I don't know if. If, if John is, you know, the head of the snake of that, and if John is locking down his guy, then the Wizards' defense uh, overall improves. Not to let him off the hook. I just don't believe that, but not to let him off the hook. I do believe he, he still plays, uh, he, like his chase down blocks or his steals, they come in first. And as far as, like, shutting down a guy, I don't think I've seen that yet. But, you know, I just haven't seen much out of the whole entire team concept. And, I, and again, I just don't think that... John is the one, like from his position, he's the one that, you know, if he's, you know, DPOY, then the whole entire team defense will, um, the whole entire Wizards will actually play defense. But, no, I haven't quite seen, um, you know, that Mamba mentality or that Mamba challenge (laughs) answered yet. Maybe maybe Friday when he plays Steph. Yeah, it's a perfect time for him to try and uh, show off a little bit for Kobe. Candace Buckner from the Washington Post. Listen, we appreciate your time. One of our, our favorite beat writers in any sport on any planet. Um, some great stuff you produce off that Wizards beat for the Washington Post. Um, we'll be reading. We'll be watching. And uh, safe travels on that NBA road, Candace. I appreciate it. Now you just gassing me up, but I'll take it. Have a, good, have a good one, guys. Thanks, Candace. Appreciate it. All right, bye-bye. Much appreciated. Candace Buckner joining us on the Hangtime Podcast. And, again, we don't gas anybody up around here. The love is earned. Um, if you do a great job, we will recognize it. Just like we do with our main man, John Schumann, joining us now for the Schumann Stat. <laughs> Fellas, what's up? Sure, what's going on? Nothing. Um, so, looking at the Thunder, um, seems like with the two stars um, added to the mix, Russell Westbrook is you know deferring a little bit. Uh, so, the one stat I'm not this is not this part is not a trivia question, but um, he Westbrook has seen the biggest drop in usage rate. Mm-hmm. Um, from last season, among uh, in among people who've played at least seventy five minutes this year, it's a good thing, right? Well, sort of. Last year, uh, last it, it needed to see some sort of drop. Okay. Last year, he, ha- he basically required, uh, recorded the highest usage rate we've ever seen. Right, you know, we have right. usage rate going back twenty one years, basically since we have play by play data and sure. can see, you know, and that was the highest usage rate ever. So yeah, it had to come down. Okay, but I don't, I don't think it's worked out so well. You know, the Thunder don't. They rank 18th offensively so far. They've had some a couple of ugly offensive games. The one time, you know, in that Minnesota game, it seems like they things started to pick up once he started to go back into takeover mode late in the game. You know, his usage rate has been highest uh, in the fourth quarter, and that's when their offense has been the best. So um, I'm curious to see how it, how it how it plays out. It's fascinating though to see that he is third on the team in in field goal attempts per 36 minutes, which is just, you know, we saw that in the preseason, but I don't necessarily think it was going to carry over to the regular season. Um, But so far, per 36, Carmelo's taking 21 shots, Paul George 19 shots, and Westbrook 17 shots. 
it's kind of fascinating. But here's your 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 little uh, trivia question. Your, the question is: Who does Westbrook have the most assists to this mm. season? This season. This season. Uh, that's a good question. Um, who would you think he has the most assists to so far? Stephen Adams. Correct. Wow. wow. Nice. You know, because that. I mean, think about it. Paul George and, and Carmelo can get shots. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to basically do their own thing, wherever. Right? Yeah, but Stephen Adams is still reliant on on Russ to you know to feed him. I was yeah, I was thinking so, Jeremy so, Grant is he up there? <laughs> He's got Westbrook has got ten assists on. So Anthony has thirty eight buckets. He's mm-hmm. been assisted by Westbrook ten times. Paul George has twenty seven buckets. He's been assisted by Westbrook eleven times. Steve a- Stephen Adams has twenty four field goals and fifteen have been assess- assisted by Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Part of that also is that. Westbrook and Adams sort of play together, and right. like they sort of come off the floor together. And I thought that was a problem last year because Adams was their second most important player by a, by a long shot. Right. And so the fact that those guys would come off the floor together and it killed them in the playoffs. Uh, I think we've mentioned it before that they were outscored by fifty eight points in Westbrook's forty six minutes on the bench in the playoff series last year. I think. I think though, watching them, you realize how important Adams is. Like. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's not the all star among the group, but he may be just like the most important among mm-hmm. the group. Because you think about it, one of the other guys goes down, there's still two other guys to carry the offense. Sure. But Adams is so such a huge part of what they do defensively, and then you know a, a critical component of their offense, just as far as screen setting, rebounding, rolling to the basket, and drawing some attention, you know, in yeah. the paint. I, 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 this is, I, I, you know, there's lots of teams that are still interesting to watch. This one still is one I think that really has some figuring out to do as how as far as offensive balance and and and, and how they're going to play. Yeah, you can tune in and watch the Thunder battle of the Minnesota Timberwolves Friday night, eight o'clock Eastern on NBA TV. It's going to be a good night of basketball as always yep. on a Friday night. Shoe, I know you're you know usually out in the New York streets on Friday nights, but you're going to be watching basketball this Friday, I'm sure. <laughs> We got the Warriors I, I, and Wizards. I went out last night. I, I only get one night out a week, so <laughs> I went to I went to Cavs Nets on Wednesday, and and so that was uh, that was my fill of of going out. So, uh, and I and I got a good game, so that was that was no uh, doubt that game was a lot of fun. No doubt. Let me ask you. Let me ask you one last thing, Shu, about this Thunder team. Um, four games in, Carmelo is the leading scorer of this team. Can they reach their goals? By the end of this season, if Carmelo remains the leading scorer for this team the entire year, I think so. I mean, I don't I, personally for me. Like, I never really care about like who's the leading scorer. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I just want to see how the, the the offense functions as a whole. Right. Like I was looking at it, Brooklyn. We were in Brooklyn last night, and D'Angelo Russell was out. Right, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, the Cavs. You know, Lynn is already out. Now D'Angelo Russell's out. This should be easy pickings for the Cavs, and. Just in in the first few games, the first four games the Brooklyn had played, you know Russell was the leading scorer, but the offense functioned better with Spencer Dinwiddie running the point, and you know Karis LeVert out there sort of as a as a secondary guy, and so I was like, ah, don't you know, don't you know, discard the Nets just because Russell's out. Like I think it, for me, the way I look at teams is I just want to see how their offense functions with certain guys on the floor. And like if if one guy's leading scorer, you know that's fine as long as you know the ball is moving and the offense is fu- functioning efficiently. 
Um, right now, that's not the case with with Oklahoma City. So maybe you know something has to change. Maybe Russ needs to get a little bit more uh, aggressive. You know, we'll see. I think for him, it's it's also about making sure he gets he's aggressive in transition and trying to get shots early in the clock because that's when he's at his best when he's trying to play half court and getting too aggressive and, and getting too um, shot happy. That's a problem. But so far, he's shooting well. I mean, he's shooting forty eight percent, forty five, forty four percent from three. Right. So that's good for him. And and Melo hasn't been near the other two guys haven't been nearly as efficient. But I think it's just. You know they they got to find their their rhythm and and for me it's more about what they do as a team and not about who's the leading scorer or whatever who's taking the most shots. I think it's it's just about finding the right combinations. I think it's uh, also a matter of Billy Donovan figuring out which guy is the one that runs the second unit offense or you know and maybe that's why Melo's sort of the leading scorer is because he's the guy out there with the second unit and therefore he's going to get more shots with that team. Kevin, I were talking about this the other day, shoe. Um, on Twitter, of all places, which, you know, I'm not a big Twitter and tweet back and clap back this. But he, he raised a, a really good point about Chicago's offensive flow this season. And just, you know, he Ball's said he's moving over there. Well, yeah, you can I, finally I see that. it. You can finally yeah, see it right. now without a star that dominates the ball or breaks sets or decides yeah. to freelance when he wants mm. to. Yeah, that first half against Cleveland, that was fun. Yeah, to that's watch. the game. Yeah. And then the Mark, I became a Lowry marketing fan, like in in the span of twenty four minutes. Dude, <laughs> seriously, quick release, he can shoot. Quick high, you know, big guy with a quick release, like that's going to be hard to stop. You know, hard to hard to defend. And he's play, he's shown some a little bit of stuff off off the dribble too. So I I I like the I, they were fun to watch were. and and they've got a couple of guys that are, are aggressive, yeah. you know, and they're going to shoot a lot more threes than they have in the past. Obviously, with those those non perimeter shooting guards that they had last year, um, they're going to see a big increase in their three point attempts. Um, that doesn't necessarily going to make them great over 82 games but it's going to give them some sort of more sort of variability offensively it makes them a little bit more dangerous you know like what you saw we've seen with brooklyn yeah you know they just shoot so many threes that if if they can't get hot one night then they can be pretty dangerous the other thing is now they have an identity last year we were yeah. watching the three alphas and we were always wondering like <laughs> what are they trying to do right i was that's what i was telling say i've never seen a fred hoiberg offense until these last couple of weeks yeah. so you know it'd be interesting to see when zach levine is healthy and done and I don't know about Portis and Nico, but when they get the guys right. back and just right. see if they can continue doing this with some better players and see how it goes. I just like the – and that's the thing about the start of any NBA season. I like the uncertainty of it all. You know, I didn't see the magic getting off to this kind of start, Aaron Gordon playing as well as he has. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, You know, there are little subtle things you notice. Charlotte is, you know, has got a, a better flow to them than I thought they would have to start this season – you know, even in the, and on the flip side, like Denver is struggling more than I thought they would to start this season. You know Minnesota what I mean? Minnesota like struggling. Minnesota is up and down. It's just interesting to watch teams work through whatever issues they might have or to exceed whatever baseline expectation mm-hmm. we might have had for them. Um, before we get let you out of here, is there one team that sticks out to you, good or bad, through four, the first four or five games here? You know, in terms of wow, I didn't see this team looking like this this early. Uh, um, Orlando's the one that that I think we put, we sort of bunched them in the bottom six of the East, right? Mm-hmm. Like you had like 
you had the, the, the East teams that you think are going to make the playoffs, then maybe Charlotte, Detroit, Philadelphia as like a 7-8-9 battle. Mm-hmm. And then there was like six teams. It's like, oh, these these guys are bad. And Orlando, I think, may be the one that says, nope, we're in the we're in that second tier or right. whatever. And, in fact, I was talking to Kenny Atkinson after the game last night in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and they had just played Orlando the night before, and they you know, they were on the wrong side of that Aaron Gordon 41 points yes. game-winning three uh, performance. And, you know, I said, yeah, I think Orlando might be better than everybody <laughs> thought. And he says, oh, yeah. He says, yeah, you think? definitely. And um, I think we saw some success from them after the – Ibaka trade last year when they brought in Terrence Ross and Gordon moved from the three to the four permanently. Right, their their starting lineup had, was pretty good, especially offensively. Last at the end of last year with Peyton Fournier, uh, Ross, Gordon, and Vucevic, and they've had they've sort of continued that success with their starters this year, even with Augustine sort of uh, replacing Peyton the last couple games. Um, I think Gordon at the four just makes a big a world of difference, and yeah. Ross is a good shooter at the three. So that you just have better spacing with that unit, and then you have some more success. I think their bench still has some questions. They have Jonathan Simmons, and then a lot of question marks after that. Right. Um, but just with how good their starting lineup is, they can sort of separate themselves from that group of at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, and and maybe put themselves in the in the mix for an eight seed. No doubt. John Schumann, as always, joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast with the Schumann staff. Hey, by the way, can we get my Grizzlies a little bit higher in the power rankings, please? <laughs> you thought I was going to let you get away with that. I moved without... them up a lot last week just for beating the, the Warriors. Now we'll see. You know, they're in the they're in the mix for the number one spot come Monday. Yeah, they had two quality wins. Um, you know, get with get with the program, Shu. Get on that right. get on that Grizzlies bandwagon. We appreciate you, brother, as always. Talk to you next week. New wrinkles to the I show, told. by the way, so be ready next week. All right. All right. John Schumann, as always, joining us here with the Schumann Stack, Kev. And, and I, I was I, sh- I meant to bring that up during the intro, Kev. What you said about the Bulls the other day, this, we might have to back off a little bit. Criticizing Fred Hoiberg. I'm not yeah. saying that he solved every issue. No, not at all. But he was the guy who was taking arrows for the Bulls' struggles. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not about him. Maybe it's mm-hmm. about... Some other things that are going on with that. You got to at least have a system fail or succeed. And for the first time seeing that, it's like, oh, okay. Well, maybe those weren't the pieces that, yeah. <laughs> that, that were needed. Right. You know, so it'll be interesting to see how they can continue to grow throughout the year. Yeah, we're toe deep. I mean, toe deep in an NBA season. So it's hard to make too many lasting impressions about what you see. You know, when we haven't even had a full, yeah. you know, 10 – I know that I've, I've always talked to players who take the season in five-game increments. Mm-hmm. I like to go 10-game stretches before I start noticing trends. Right. Or um, So we, I think we got like a, basically another week, another week before we can really start what, looking and go, all right, this is an issue or all right, this might be legit. This is something that, you know, this team can build on. Um, so I'm looking forward to these this next stretch of games. Just, and, you know, guys coming back. Yeah. You know, Philly looking competitive. But – we're going to see how long the adrenaline yeah, of the, the start of the season yeah. lasts before mm-hmm. reality sets in for them and some other of these teams with young guys who are trying to find their, their way in the NBA. Um, shout out to Candace Buckner of the Washington Post taking some time out. That road life for an NBA beat writer <laughs> is no joke. So I, I can imagine what she's going through on the West Coast trip this early in the season. Appreciate her taking a few minutes out to share some insights and thoughts on what she saw from the Wizards and Lakers and what the Wizards have upcoming. My main man, John Schumann, is always with the Schumann stat. Kev Cottrell here in the studio with me, bringing it as always. Subscribe, 
on Apple Podcasts to hang time. Be sure to leave a glowing, mesmerizing review. New season, new reviews. It's the right thing to do. Tune in next Thursday for an all-new episode of the Hang Time Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes for a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata.